Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to the CJJC Show. Embrace the controversy. Stay for the biased takes. Hope you all enjoying your summer as the guys turn up the heat for the NBA Finals. With coaches getting hired left and right and even some lingering burning questions for the NBA, then let's keep the heat going with the NFL coaches' pressure rankings and a jam-packed episode for our absence. So sit back and enjoy the show. All right, Jalen, we are back up after a week away. It is Monday, a lovely June evening, and uh, NBA Finals, it is tied one-to-one. The Nuggets lost a heartbreaker last night in a game they could have had, and they really kind of blew it. It was tough for me to watch down the stretch, so they lose their first home game of the playoffs, tied 1-1 going to Miami after the first game went smoothly. How are you doing tonight, sir? Better than me, I hope. Oh uh, yeah, you know I'm just fighting this cold. We're dealing with some right, some Seattle weather here in Colorado because you know weather changes at a dime, at a coin flip, whatever you want to call it. Um, dude, I was sitting there right there with you. I, I was screaming for it. I was asking. He had a case of the Missoula's man. What happened? I, I what happened? <laughs> yes. What were your thoughts? Were you screaming for a timeout, or were you like? kind of okay with it just running out let's just start with that for me that was my hanging question was okay. how was Kobe feeling about that call that's a good one um so yeah I thought he should have called a timeout I was surprised that he didn't but I mean I don't Jamal Murray's had some hit some crazy shots even though that was one of Jamal Murray's worst games of the playoffs but still like they almost pulled off a crazy comeback there in the last minutes I mean I would have preferred they call timeout but I'm not going to kill him for it like that's obviously not the biggest reason why they lost there were far bigger concerns than that um so I mean I I would have called a timeout I would have preferred that he did but I don't know I mean it's not at the end of the day like yes I was saying like why don't you call a timeout but I was surprised he let him play it out um but I mean at the grand scheme of things that was not my big concern so I wasn't too upset with it even though I would have preferred he called one. interesting interesting I mean there was a lot of turnovers, a lot of foul calls. There's a lot to be uh, pointed out that we can get into here in a second. But uh, back to me, you know, I, I just wanted to shade in the finals as well because we're about to roll into it. But back to me, um, doing pretty good. Cool. <laughs> Besides that, we're doing pretty good. Yeah, no, we're good. Yeah, so that game last night. So the first game, obviously, we didn't have it recorded since the first game, but that's old news at this point. But the Nuggets cooked them. That was I was feeling great. That was awesome. They looked in control last night. The Heat switched it up. The Heat played a bigger lineup. They bothered Denver a lot defensively. Um, and it was concerning that they did lose that game because they could have had that game. Jokic was unbelievable, and he just did not get very much help at all um, whatsoever. My So I'll just start with my biggest takeaway from last night, and it goes back to the same exact thing that I said at the beginning of the playoffs before this whole Nuggets run started. I said it was all going to come down to what are you going to get from Michael Porter Jr.? And he's been awesome to the playoffs, in the playoffs mostly to this point. And he was atrocious in that game. 
if obviously it's not never one person is the biggest reason they lost, but if I'm putting who am I putting the most blame on individually from that game, it's Michael Porter Jr. He was he's been so much better defensively. He's actually been a good defender throughout these playoffs. He's like been a bonus with how he's played defensively. And last night he was lost out there with all, all the switching and the the way Miami was playing. He was completely lost. They were giving up wide open shots, and he has he shot bad in the first game. He was much worse in this game. Um, so that's a big concern. They're they're not going to win the they're not going to win this series if Michael Porter Jr. isn't is playing like that. They need him to step up and knock down some shots. I'm confident he can get back into it. But so that was my biggest biggest Porter and KCP was also terrible. That was the worst game both of them have played. And to me, that's kind of the biggest reason right there is you need those guys to be hitting threes, playing defense. KCP had a couple idiotic fouls that wound up costing them a lot that he just did, had no reason for him to commit. Um, so, yeah, those two, it's obviously the whole team. They gave up way too many open threes. And Miami shot the lights out, too. Got to give them their credit. But, yeah, so that was incredibly frustrating. Yeah. Um well, how can I put this, man? Hit it on the nail. It was ugly to watch Michael Porter last night. Yeah. Uh, it, it was hard to watch, like you said. I think that's another way to put it. Um, they're running the highlight reel right now of just what just of what went down. Like the Nuggets had points where they were up and everything. So for me, this is a battle of bench. You know, this is the battle of the benches, and you're deaf. Michael, like you said, Michael Porter, he just didn't step up and the Heat will consistently play because you know they're not going to shoot like that they did in the game one. Like that was like record breaking lows, I'm pretty sure. So maybe this just to say, I guess they maybe assume that they will shoot like that again. Hopefully they didn't. But uh, yeah, they definitely let their guard down, it seemed like, because the Heat, they came out on fire. That was the first thing I recognized in the first quarter. Because they caught you guys off the jump. And I think, he, I think uh, I don't know if it was you or Chandler, who was just on the show, by the way, folks. Um, he was the one that was like, he likes the approach early. But then you guys responded back. And it was just like, oh, here we go. It's just the classic, you know, nuggets showing. But for me, it's just interesting. Yeah, when your bench, the nuggets bench didn't show, but the heat bench did. And the worst thing is you lost a home game then. So here we are. What are your thoughts on that now? Now it's like people are putting uh putting a little bit back doubts back on the Nuggets. How about that? That's the way to put it. Um, yeah, I mean that hurts that they lost that game. It definitely does concern me that they because they've been unbeatable at home to this point. Um, at the same time, I mean they absolutely can lose this as much as I've been confident they'll beat Miami, and I still am confident they'll win the series, even though that did increase my doubt somewhat. Part of me is also like, and again, Miami's done this a lot, so maybe you can't even say this, but the Heat did play, I mean, other than Jimmy Butler, who I think is a little hobbled, um, but he was still pretty good with his passing. The other players on the Heat played an incredible game. They were shooting the lights out. And part of that was Denver played bad defense. Um, But Denver shot horribly other than Jokic, Murray, Porter. Murray had a couple shots, but overall he was not as good as he's been. Porter and KCP, as I said, were awful. I mean, Duncan Struess came out on fire. Vincent could not miss. Kyle Lowry was hitting contested threes. I was like, what is going on? But I, I again, so part of me is like the Heat played almost a perfect game and for as far as shooting the three, and the Nuggets still almost won. But again, it was at home. 
And the Heat have been doing these kind of performances. Like, it just doesn't really make any sense, but it keeps happening. Um, so that does concern me that they lost at home. However, I've seen the Heat lose at home in the playoffs. They lost two games at home to Boston. So I do think Denver can win there. I would expect they get one of these next two and go back to Denver, probably tied 2-2 is my guess as to what's going to happen the next couple games. I still think they're a better team overall, but definitely is a little concerning they dropped that one at home. Because had they won that game last night, I mean, you're feeling it's going to be tough probably for Miami to come back and beat them. And now Miami's got the momentum and everything. Um, I just have to believe that Porter and KCP are not going to play that poorly again is my biggest reason for optimism, I guess. And Jokic was unbelievable. Like, you know, they have no one who can stop him. But, I mean, when everyone else isn't living up to their end of the bargain, it's kind of a moot point. Well, let's, we we haven't talked about Jamal Murray here, Colby. Uh, he didn't really step up as much. They, he was challenged yeah, last game. Yeah, Jimmy Butler was kind of clamping him a little, which is kind of concerning when they were able to put Jimmy Butler on him. Um, he, like I said, he had a few shots, but he was not good overall. Yeah, and that's concerning when you just said the words clamp and he's going that if Jimmy Butler is getting that mindset going back to Miami, doesn't sound good for Jamal, man. It doesn't. So it's a big one to lose, that's for sure. This is a big one to lose. Yeah, no, it really is. I do think the Nuggets, they tend to bounce back. I think Malone's Malone was obviously pissed at them. Um, so I hope they're going to play better. They'll be more focused because, again, a lot of the defense was just they were a little lazy and played a little lackadaisical on defense. It gave up too many open threes. Um, and it did feel like they kind of got in their heads. They were complaining about a lot of the calls. Shots weren't falling. And pr- pretty much everyone but Jokic sort of let the game get in their head. Jokic, you know what he's going to give you every time. He's going to be great every game. Um, but the others was the concern. Um I think they'll play better, and I think they will get one of the two in Miami. But it's going to be tough, man. The Heat, it's just crazy how this run they're on. Yeah, I mean, this is a this is a Cinderella story in the making, something that doesn't happen that often in the pros. And I'd be wild if the Nuggets yeah. were on the brutal end of it. But I still think the Nuggets here, this is a once-in-a-lifetime thing. They're doing something on the other end of the spectrum that is legendary. So... In my opinion, this if this series just we just got ourselves a series, I think that's what we got. Game two just told me we got ourselves a series. I still think personally we got I still think personally it ends in five because that's what my original take is. I'm gonna stick by my take and say end five. But uh man, this series just gotten so much more interesting to the point where that take is like now 60-40 for me. And like I'm not really holding on to with it with it with a short grip, you know? It's just like it's that I'm just holding it. That's all. I'm just holding it for you. That's all. I'm just holding your car keys. It's not like I'm holding it <laughs> off for dear life, though. No, I think that's a good, accurate assessment. It's going to be a good series. Like, I do think it probably goes – it's going to go six or seven, I think. pretty. I'd say pretty confidently it's going to go six or seven um, either way. So it's just a matter of can the Nuggets be on the right side of that. But, yeah, no, you're right about that. I, I, still, I still think the Nuggets will win, but it's going to be a war, man. The Heat are just, it's crazy. And Spo is incredible. He, he's such a good coach. Like, the adjustments and everything that he makes, it's just wild. Like, the production they get out of these guys is crazy. Caleb Martin in the last series was looked like an all-star. This series, he's been awful. And, oh, nope, someone else, Gabe Vincent, he steps up, and now he's shooting the lights out and playing like an all-star. So that part of it is just crazy. Bill Simmons said on his podcast today, he said the only thing he can compare it to in pro sports, because no team in the NBA has had a run like this, really, because NBA doesn't really have underdog stories like this. He said 
The only thing he can compare it to is the Joe Flacco Super Bowl run, where he just went on a four-game heater, where he was just unstoppable. And then after that, you know, he was never even – I don't think he ever won a playoff game after that – again, after that Super Bowl run, if my memory serves correctly. <laughs> whoa, 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 Colby, don't jump the gun on that now. Because uh, when was that Super Bowl? 2012. Mm-hmm. When did he think... go to a Super Bowl? Huh? When was the last Steelers Super Bowl? I'm not. I'm just saying. I'm talking about Flacco. <laughs> I'm just saying, no, I'm just saying. Like Flacco himself was like. Actually, yours is more recent, right? Yeah. No, theirs is more recent, of course. But I'm just saying, Flacco was like had a four that Super Bowl run. Flacco was like looked like the best quarterback in the league. And then, like, he never did again before or after. So, yeah, he he uh, he never won another playoff game after that. Oh, no, wait, I, I stay corrected. He did win one. He did win one yeah. playoff game in 2014. Yeah. A wild card game in 2014. <laughs> Who was it, against the Bengals? Against the Steelers. <laughs> oh. oh forgot about that game. insult injury. Yeah, I honestly forgot about that game. But that was the last time Flacco ever made the playoffs because the next time they were in it, they had Lamar. So, but still, a crazy run. Yeah, that that is that is pretty much a close comparison. I don't know how Christian will feel about that. I think he would say that the Joe Flacco run was predicted. Uh, well, that team was great. I mean, the Ravens team was elite. I'm just just Flacco himself playing like that was the crazy part. <laughs> Yeah, I guess Flacco himself. Let's see. If I were to say a story like this, that's crazy. In pro sports, like, it's tough, man. There isn't one, really. Because you can't really count. What is the Giants, man? What about the Giants against the New England Patriots? Then it would be the Patriots. I mean, I guess that's kind of true. But just as far as, like, but the Giants, like, but the thing with the Giants, they also did it a second time, and they had, I mean, some history. That's kind of a fair, I guess that's a fair point. Just, just the level, but just even the those runs the Giants had though. It's not like Eli Manning was like tearing it up the whole playoffs. He was good, obviously, but like Flacco was the best player in the league during those playoffs. He was insane. <laughs> I mean, I feel like what we're seeing from Miami, in my opinion, is more compared to like a New York Giant performance. You know, where you got all these vets. And they're just playing out their minds like it's stray hands last season. And everyone's just playing out of their minds on the defensive line, breaking records and everything. Uh, what is it? What play would you – know, I forgot what amazing play happened on that. Uh, on the top of my head right now, we're thinking basketball. As I see more basketball highlights of, of Bam Duncan on Porter. Jeez. Not a good defensive game. Sorry, Colby. One more time. No, you're right. It was bad. No, I completely agree with you on that. Another one. Oh, man. They're really emphasizing Porter on this segment here. Yeah. But hey, I mean, he, he was awful, so they deserve it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I still overall feel pretty pretty good. Um, At least decent. But, yeah, it's going to be a war, man. I don't know. They, if they don't get one of these two in Miami, they're cooked. But I think they will. So. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. When's the next game? Thursday? Wednesday. Oh, woof! That's weird. Yeah, the the two days off between games is kind of weird, but hey, yeah. everyone gets their rest. Everyone gets to feel the climate, the climax build. <laughs> all I know is, all I know is, if Denver wins the next next game three, excuse me, Denver wins the next game three, this game's going to be this series could get be a back on five. That's all I'm saying. It will be back on five. If the Heat win game three. 
that's when I feel like my game five take is just well, actually, no matter what, it is destroyed. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> come on, Nuggets, we're betting on game three. That'll probably be the next time we record this show as well. It'll be after game three, and so it'll be we'll see how we're doing then. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll be either deflated or feeling pretty good. Yeah, so stay tuned for that. <laughs> oh yeah. Um. All right. Anything else you want to hit on the finals before we get into the other stuff we got cooking today? Not really. Uh, the heat culture is just. I feel like anyone else that wants to. Oh, Hero's coming back eventually. I feel like that's the last thing about that. Does that concern you? Um, I don't know. See, the Hero thing is weird because I feel like. Does Miami even want to bring him back at this? Like with how well they've played, could it mess with the rhythm? Like, what's he going to look like coming back? I don't know. I mean, it doesn't really. Like, I don't feel like it's something that's going to push me over. The, I almost don't think they're going to bring him back just because of the rhythm of it all. And, like, he hasn't played in months, two months. I don't know. I mean, if, I'm sure if he does come back, it's the heat culture and he'll spit in perfectly and they'll just be ridiculous. So maybe a little bit, but I don't know. I kind of don't feel like they will, though, because it could. it's kind of high risk, high reward, because it could completely – what if it screws up the rhythm completely? And then, like, you just never know. I don't know, man. Like, playoffs and, like – when a team's on a streak like this, things are just kind of weird. Yeah, I agree. I mean, because, like, I feel like he's a little bit of the opposite of what they got brewing, you know, with Heat culture and all these guys playing tough and gritty and all that. We've seen Hero get tough and gritty for the first game of the series, and no offense, that's the reason why we haven't seen him for two months. I don't think it's just his play style. This dude's their offensive power, though. So in my mind is them getting Hero back, the way it works is this man has to hit his shots when they call when they pass him the ball. I mean, he better hit his shots. If not, if he comes out cold, he's not going to look good. And obviously that's going to throw off the rhythm for me. He just needs to come in and knock down a couple of shots, feel good off the bench. Most importantly, he needs to take these shots off the bench. Cause I I'm not, I'm with you on that. I would not risk it. I would not risk it at all. I know it's high risk, high reward, but if he's coming off the bench, I would at least lower it, you know, lower my risk. So. No, that's a good point. Like, play him some limited minutes. I can definitely see that. Um, makes sense. But, yeah, that was uh, that was my last question about the Heat and, and uh, Nuggets. All right. So, yeah, we'll see how game three goes. We'll keep it going with the final. So, yeah, we got, uh, we got some segments to get to. Only other news, also in the NBA, four coaches have been hired. Technically, two of them were hired when we last reported, but we had the big episode Monday, and we didn't really get into it. Um, so Nick Nurse to the Sixers, Adrian Griffin to the Bucks, uh, Frank Vogel to the Suns, which was weird. Didn't see that coming. And uh, I think you and I probably both of our favorites, Monty Williams getting a huge bag to go oversee that Detroit rebuild. Um, I guess we could start – we'll go back in time. So I guess we could start with the Adrian Griffith hire. Don't not gonna lie, he's an assistant. I don't know a ton about him, but he's been on the Raptors staff with Nick Nurse. Giannis apparently loved him. That was Giannis's guy who they wanted. He wanted them to hire, um, and so that makes sense. You obviously want to keep Giannis in town and keep him happy. Um, he's definitely a qualified coach. Like I said, because he's been an assistant, unlike the other three guys who got hired, I don't know a ton about him. Um, but if that's the guy Giannis wanted. I mean, I totally understand that. So I think it, it makes sense for Milwaukee. Yeah, uh, what was his background again? Didn't catch it. He was like an assistant with the Raptors for several years. Yeah, he's been assistant for a while. He's been around the league for a good bit. He's been, I mean, he's he's been a guy, if I remember correctly, who's been had his name being like coaching cycles as a candidate 
for a couple years, but it just hasn't got a job before this. So interesting. Okay. Well, like you said, if you honest wanted him, I feel like that's a good way to trust it, right? Um, you're keeping your player happy, hoping that he doesn't leave eventually. Uh, but I think you, I don't think they have to fear anything at the moment up in Milwaukee. No way, Giannis leaves. No way, right? Well, he's got two more years on his deal, so at least not immediately. Um, I mean, I don't know. It's they're kind of in a weird spot. We'll get to them when we do our burning questions here in a in a couple in a little bit. Um, they're in a kind of a weird spot, but I think this was a good move. So yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Um, so yeah, like you said, not gonna pretend like I know everything about Adrian Griffith, so we don't have to spend much time on that. Um, so then the other one that's the splasher one, who I thought the Bucks would try to hire, I think you and I both said was Nick Nurse. He gets the Philly job. Um, if he had the choice to go, I don't know if he got any offered any of the other jobs or not. It'd be interesting to me if he chose Philly over Phoenix, if he did, but I guess he didn't get the Phoenix offer. I mean, I think this is a slam dunk hire for the Sixers. I think that's about as well as they could have done. I love Nick Nurse, X's and O's wise, even though he is hard on players. And he, he puts it out there. He's got a little bit of Thibodeau where he, he keeps his guys out there a lot. He's not quite Tibbs level. Um, but I think the Sixers need someone like that. It's someone who makes a ton of adjustments and is all about the schematics. I don't really know what the future holds for Philly, but I think this was, was a good hire by them. Yeah. Um, I think it was a solid hire. I don't know how good of a hire it is. Cause you know, that Philly media, they got him, man. They got him off of that first interview. I don't know if you saw, he tried to dance around those questions, but that Philly media, they are just going to be as aggressive as the fans, man. They're going to be just as aggressive as the fans. I don't know how long he's going to last. I I really don't. I I if it, I can see it going south very quickly, right? In my opinion. No, that's true. It definitely could blow up um, because of, as he said, the Philly media. Embiid is. I mean, Embiid is he's just kind of wearing some of this right now with the playoff stuff. I don't know that he's always in the greatest shape. From what I've heard, from what people say, and he's an awesome player. And the Harden piece of it all is just a big unknown. And even if he is back, he's Harden. So it's definitely not the easiest job for Nick Nurse. I do agree that there is a lot of potential for it to be volatile. Um, I mean, I just I still wouldn't be buying Philly stock really going forward. As I've said, I, I'm pretty out on it. I thought this was the best team they've had the whole Embiid era this year. And it still had the exact same result. There's all the other years where they lose in the second round. So, I don't know. I'm kind of out on Philly just as a whole, as an organization. I don't really know where they go from here. Yeah, I'm right there with you, man. I'm right there with you. It's uh, it's sad to say because they got fun. Like, Joel is a fun player to root for. But what's going on around him has just not been consistent. They made the wrong moves. I mean, right now, the most fun the most fun one to point out is they chose Tobias Harris over Jimmy Butler. Like that that one right now is the one that's biting him the most, it seems like. Yeah, that's I mean, and Jimmy wanted didn't want to be there because I think he obviously like was like, I don't want to play with Ben Simmons. Um, but yeah, that it's just been a series of unfortunate events in a lot of ways for Philly. And even though they managed to turn Simmons into Harden, which is obviously better because Simmons doesn't even play anymore, really. <laughs> like, but still, like that even has gone south now. So I I don't know where Philly goes from here. I thought the Nick Nurse was a good hire in a vacuum, um, but I don't know. Um, 
So, all right. The other one that I think you and I both have agreed that we really like, I think we were texting about it. Monty Williams got an insane contract, six years, 72 million, biggest coaching contract ever, I'm pretty sure, to coach the Pistons. And hey, I respect it for the Pistons. This was, they're like, look, we're bad. We're, we were the worst team in the NBA. We're in a rebuild. Um, they also kind of were tanking because I'm pretty sure Cade Cunningham could have played those last couple months, but they're like, why would we put him out there when this team's so bad? And we're trying to get Wemby. Um, I think that's a home run for the Pistons. I mean, he's a, I thought for one thing, he should not have been fired by the Suns. This to me just feels like a new owner wants to chase, shake things up. First of all, he comes in there, and obviously I get trading for Durant. It makes total sense. But the reason Denver beat them is because they had to give away all their depth. So they had guys that just had no business being out there, and the Nuggets just ate them alive uh, because they had no depth because they got rid of it all to get Durant. And he got – Monty Williams took the blame. Again, he did blow – he had two horribly ugly home elimination losses. But still, I think Monty Williams is a very good coach. This is exactly what the Pistons need to kind of set the culture. Veteran coach who's smart, teach him how to win. Um, I mean, he was like the darling coach in the league just two years ago. So I think that's a slam dunk for Detroit, even if they overpaid. Obvious. It's an obvious slam dunk, in my opinion. Um, you get a solid coach. Um, if the owner – I feel like ownership will be patient up in Detroit with this guy because he's just that – from what we hear from everyone in the media, he's just that much of an all-around guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and plus, they got such a young team. He did really well with the Suns and their young core. <laughs> Needless to say, I think he will do pretty well with the Pistons' young core. I'm ecstatic to see what this guy can do with Jaden Ivey and Cade Cunningham. I, I think this is going to be electric. These dudes have to play, man. Cade needs to be on the effing court. It pains me because he seems like such a cool guy to root for, man. He has like He's one of those guys that you want to root for, in my opinion. He's like a SGA-type player, in my opinion, and... He just doesn't play, though. That's the problem. Like, SGA plays. That's not true. That, okay, you can't say that. He's been in the league two years, and he had kind of a freak injury. I know, but it hurts, Colby. I know. I want to see him play. That's what I'm trying to say. Is I back, want he'll to be see back him. next year. He's, he's going to be fine. I know. I know. I'm just – I want to see him. Don't it, sell all your Kate Cunningham stock. I'm just telling you. He's still going to be great. Not selling. Oh, I'll, if anything, Colby, I'm, I'm making sure no one tries – I'm trying to buy more. I'm excited, Colby. I'm – like you said, I I sent this text message to you in all caps. Cade <laughs> has to be ready, man. I was like, Cade has to be ready. Like, this is going to be electric. Um, I'm all about it. They got some really great young guys down there in Detroit. Um, I really am all about it. I really love this hire. Um, I would never have thought. I feel like now the Adrian Griffin, no offense to him, but I feel like that would have been more of a Detroit hire than, you know, Monty Williams. But for them... I'm cool with them spending the extra money because that that shows that they're willing to do it. And maybe they'll be willing to do it for their for their young core here. You know, maybe that's a sign that hey, we're willing to get your guy for a coach. You have to go out there, and if you ball out, maybe we'll you know reward you back with the with the bag. So, I like that. No. Yeah, I'm excited. Needless to say, I am excited about this hire. Um, do I think these guys? I'm probably jumping the gun on your segment, Colby. Do I think these guys will make the playoffs next year? Probably not, but I'm definitely going to be right there waving the towel for a play-in game. Ooh, I like that. No, I mean, I'm with you. I I like a lot of their pieces. Their Troy Weaver 
since he's took over as GM. It's only been a couple years. They've been obviously he tore everything down. He's drafted pretty well. Um, so they've had some pretty good drafts the last couple years. I like Jalen Duran this year. They got a lot as a rim protector. Ivy, I think, is going to be a very good player. He, he showed some real flashes this year. Cade obviously is great. Um, they did get screwed in the lottery. <laughs> they they had the worst record and wound up with the fifth pick, which stings. But still, I mean, you still get a valuable player of five if you draft well. So, yeah, the Pistons, they're still a ways away. It's still going to be a couple of years, another two years probably before they're in the playoffs. But that's just how it goes in the NBA. So I think they're doing it the right way. All right. So, yeah, we're both all in on this Monty Williams hire in Detroit. So the last hire that's happened, and then we'll get to our segments. Frank Vogel to the Suns. I was not expecting that one. Weird, random. Frank Vogel, this is like his fourth head coaching job now. He won the title with the Lakers. Had the disastrous year, got fired. Um, You know, he's a physical, defensive-minded coach. Doesn't really seem like the perfect fit for this Phoenix team. But, um, I mean, I understand it, I guess, kind of that wanted to hire. But this was weird to me. This one really made the least sense out of all the hires, in my opinion. I didn't really get this one. Phoenix, I don't know, man. It's kind of some weird things going on in Phoenix. I don't know. I'm starting to think in a couple years, you might look back at that Durant trade for the Nets and be like, you know, for what the situation was, they made out okay. Because some of those Phoenix picks down the road, if once Durant is old and decrepit and not on the team anymore, might look pretty good. Most likely off the team. Yeah, probably on another team. Um, on to his next journey or chapter. But uh, Old at this point, too. Like, who knows how many more years he's got? He's had injuries. It's chapters we count we don't say years when it comes to Durant it comes to chapters Colby. <laughs> we're in yeah. the sun's chapter we don't know how many chapters this man has left um but man I, I think you're right when you say that about the suns this move was picked for me it was like they picked the coach out of thin air and they were okay with it you know <laughs> they looked at the recent coaches and saw all the historic champions and were like you know what Vogel you had you are the one, you know, even though it was in the bubble and everyone now has given Anthony Davis the name of a Disney and you have, you know, LeBron obviously commanding half your team and you weren't even given the coaching benefit for that for half of for most of the season. But, you know, that's just besides the point. Right, Colby. I mean, that's just maybe my bias speaking. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I think as I'm right there with you. And just this whole situation is weird. Um, ever uh, this owner, he is making some bold, bold decisions. Let's just say that Matt Ishbia coming in, just making some bold choices. Very true. <laughs> and trying to fight Jokic, also. I don't know about fight. I mean, I've seen the. You've seen that's that. A yeah, I, say, I think it was. I think he was trying to sell. It was you know heat in the moment. You know, I think it was all that, but. At the same time, if you saw it, Colby, I don't think he was going to fight Jokic. He's like 7'3 and like 280 pounds. Like, I don't think he was going to fight him. That's a good point. <laughs> but that's, again, besides the point. The choose bank vocal, though, he is, positively speaking, he is the defensive guy. Um, I don't know. It's just weird. I, I'm with you, Colby. It's just weird. Like, who's going to be that – Frank Vogel needed that, I guess, that guy in the locker room, like LeBron, who had at least a strong presence. I don't know if they really have that, like, vocal piece in the Suns' locker room. Like, I know Devin Booker's, like, their guy, and he's the face. Chris Paul. 
yeah, Chris Paul maybe, but like how much, I don't know how much that is worth its value at this time right now. Like, yeah, he is the point God. I'm not disrespecting his Hall of Fame career, but like, I'm just saying like right now, you know, unless he's going to be like what LeBron was essentially, but more, way less athletic probably, but really great with the passes. Um, be the coach's guy on the floor. So that's, unless that's how Vogel attends to do things, I still don't trust it because it's CP zero rings in my book. Damn. It's true, though. Yeah. So, yeah, you're a little skeptical as well as I am. It just kind of feels like a weird fit. Very. I'm not a little. I'm very skeptical. Yeah. <laughs> happy, honestly. It's like a happy skepticism, honestly. I mean, <laughs> it helps the West out a little bit, you know. I mean, the talent's still there, but the manager of the talent is questionable now. That's true. <laughs> yeah, so I'm very – Phoenix is going to be a fascinating team to watch this offseason. Like, because I don't know – I mean, we'll get to them. I guess we'll do the West next episode for burning questions. But I don't like they have to get more bench pieces, obviously, and retool the role players a little bit. But I don't really know what their moves are as far as because I just don't know what kind of value DeAndre Ayton and old Chris Paul have. Um, Not sure. So Phoenix is going to be a fascinating team to see what they do in the offseason. I think Ayton, you will have decent – you'll have good value from Ayton. No, uh, in my opinion, but uh, with Chris Paul, I feel like he's stuck. He's gonna be stuck with you. I mean, teams will get him. Don't get me wrong. Teams will probably get him, but I just don't see how. I feel like it has to be like a championship or but championship or bust situation for him. You know, so like I feel like the market that really narrows down your narrows down your market. Jeez, this Colts kicking my butt, man. Sorry. No, it's okay. All good. I know that's no fun. So. All right, so there you go. And I think that's an accurate assessment of the Vogel hire and the, and the Phoenix situation. But at the same time, if they do things right, they could be right there near the top of the league because they do have Duran Booker. So <laughs> it's just gonna be it's just gonna be strange to see number for sure. So okay, we got some segments for you. We got I got Colby's burning NBA questions, and depending on how long this takes us, we got some NFL stuff we can hit as well. So what this is, essentially, pretty simple. Just in my – I've got it for 2018 that aren't playing in the finals. The Nuggets and Heat are not on this list. They're focused on trying to win the championship. So the other teams that didn't make it to the finals, what is their biggest question going forward? We'll do a conference at a time. We're going to start with the East. Jalen, are you ready for this? Yes, sir. <laughs> okay, so I did a by divisions, and so I'm just going to kind of go down the list. What are divisions? I didn't know the NBA had that. <laughs> yeah, they have divisions. They just don't really mean anything. But, yeah, you got the Northeast, the Central, and the Southeast. So, yeah. I knew that, by the way, folks. I'm not that ignorant. I just want to throw that out there to protect myself. I knew that. We're going to start with the Northeast. Um, yeah, that's funny. Okay. So, yeah. Um, now, some of these teams, a couple of them that were eliminated recently, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on the question. And again, it's just one question for all these teams. Some of them are sort of multifaceted questions, uh, which I kind of cheated with, but nonetheless. So I'm going to just do quickly the Sixers. We talked about the Sixers. Where do we go from here uh, a week or so ago? The burning question, number one question for the Sixers is just whether to bring back James Harden and at what cost. I mean, we talked about this. I think you and I both said, I I mean, I'm not paying him big money. I'd be willing to let him walk out the door. 
At the same time, if you lose him for nothing, where does that leave you as a team? Because obviously you're going to be worse off if you don't replace him with anything. And it's not a great free agent class. Um, they got a lot of money tied up in Embiid, Harden, and Tobias Harris. Well, Harden, a free agent. But you can't pay him a max. That's a, Philly's a tough situation, as we were just saying when we talked about Nick Nurse. I don't really know what their moves are this offseason. It's going to be fascinating to see what happens with Harden, though. But that's their burning question. Ah. Uh. If I were to answer said burning question, which I think I'm the one that that is in the tough position to do today, uh, this is how it feels to be on the other end of the hot or not spectrum, huh? <laughs> All right. I'm going to say, would I bring back hard? No, I'm right there with you. But the cost would sting and the class, yeah, you would probably get, but I feel like you just need a better facilitator at this point, someone that's confident. Um, you know, you know, Boston's probably gonna blow up, so you could probably pay, take a piece or two from there. Um, I don't know, man. It, it's I feel like we're under underestimating the market, Colby. I feel like we're underestimating the market. So I would say, go ahead, let them walk. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Nick, because these guys at the Philly media will eat you alive. Stay true to your guns, even if he was hesitant to say that he wants Harden back. All right, I like that. All right, fail. All right, next team, the Knicks. We also talked about them a little bit. And where do we go from here? It's this is a two part question. I kind of cheated on, but it's fine. Who's the second star, and what do you do with Julius Randle? It's kind of a combination because I'm guessing they probably are going to try to move Randle if they can. I mean, he's had two All NBA years, but he's been horrible in his two playoffs. He was hurt, banged up this year. Is do you want to keep Randall and try to have him be the third guy? I mean, if he's the third guy, if you manage to get another star without getting rid of Randall, and you have Brunson Randall and a third star playing in between them on the wing or something, then that's your championship contender, depending on who it is. So the Knicks are in a good spot, as we've said. They're in a great place going forward. They have a lot of assets. They found a franchise player in Brunson who's going to be the floor general. Um, but you got to now find that second big piece, R.J. Barrett, who I like, but I don't know that he's ever going to get to that level. And Randall is just kind of – it's a weird spot. I don't know if you keep him, if you move him. I really don't know what they do with Julius Randall. So that's the burning question for the Knicks this offseason. Tough one. I would test the market because there's obviously some guy, some interesting guys that can contend for Julius's spot. But for me personally, it just stings so much about how Mitchell Robinson is so injury prone. Because if so, I would have much more confidence in moving Randall. But right now, I can't call him this. I don't know if I have confidence in saying he's the second star. Obviously, I feel like he is. He played a he played a great regular season. It's part of the reason why they're in that position. Um, but it's. I'm right there with you. I feel like they need to get another guy on the uh, – I just – he just fell flat in the playoffs pretty badly, man. It was it was not pretty to watch. So, but at the same time, I want to give him another chance. I want – I really – because I feel like not many centers can buy into what, um, what Thibodeau is selling, you know? Like, no one's going to go over there and not many centers are going to play like that, you know? So, for me, it's like – I, I just think it's best to just stick with him. You know, I'm, I think it's going to be easy as your second star. Cause if we're just talking about Thibs as well, if we put him in this conversation, that's, 
I feel like just his coaching style, Randall just stick, does pretty good in it. That's true. No, I mean, he's been great in the regular season. He's had two incredible – he's been All-NBA two times, which is bizarre. Um, but he, he's had some incredible seasons. Um, so, yeah, it is a tough predicament uh, with you on that. That's not – some of these questions are easier to answer than others, so I'll just say that. <laughs> um, all right, next team, the Raptors. You know, I was going to have – I initially was thinking – along the lines of blowing up. But with Nick Nurse out, Van Vliet's a free agent. There's already been rumors that if Portland moves that third pick, that Siakam could be the guy potentially rumored for that. So I do think – I think it's just a matter of if not when they tear down the score. Part of it's going to be gone. I don't think Van Vliet's coming back. So my real question for the Raptors as they enter this rebuild and this new era with a new coach, what is Scotty Barnes' ceiling? What is Scotty Barnes going to be going forward? He was incredible as a rookie rookie of the year regressed this year a little bit which is you don't like to see from a young player you hate to see the regression he's a really talented guy i still like him a lot he's obviously their most valuable piece and kind of the guy you would assume they build around but that's kind of what they need to figure out is he can he be the guy the number one two guy you build around um or is he talented but you know what is he going to be going forward that's a real interesting question for the Raptors. What does this team look like as you try to rebuild and reboot it around Scotty Barnes and how good can he be? As I said, it was concerning that he did take a step back this year after he was so good as a rookie. Yeah, I mean, it's just, just you know, even though this is, an NFL, I feel like, more of an NFL term, it's a second-year slump. Uh, you usually don't see that drop-off. You don't want to see that drop-off as much in the NBA, like you said. But, uh I feel like he'll be all right. He'll make his adjustments again and bounce back. I'm right there with you. I'm still a big Scotty fan. Um, I I don't know what his ceiling is, though, Cole. I think that's a great question. Again, um, I'm trying to sit here and think. It's I wanted to say, like, a Beal between Beal and Dame. That's what I'm thinking. Ooh, I mean, that's a pretty good ceiling. He, he's like a forward, though, which is kind of – Interest like he's like a combo forward too. So like I don't know. That's what I'm just talking like franchise, like face yeah, yeah, franchise. No, I, I knew that. Like, no, that's an interesting comp. Um, I mean if he's a dame level, that's a home run, I think. Bradley Beal is a little different story. <laughs> so that's happy uh, to be mediocre. <laughs> like Bradley Beal is a good player, he's not great player. Um, not worth his max contract, say that. Um, but yeah, the Scotty Barnes thing is fascinating. Boston, not going to spend a ton of time on this one because we talked about it a little bit. But the Jalen Brown max dilemma, that's the big question. Do you give him this insane super max contract that he's eligible for and just commit to him and Tatum taking up most of your a good chunk of your cap space? Is is this the duo? Can this team get over the hump and win the title? My guess is they do it. I doubt they trade him, um, although they probably could get a good bit for him. He was bad in the Miami series. There's some real questions. I think Jalen Brown, while Tatum is clearly the better one, and I think Tatum could still have another level to get to. Brown is what he is at this point. He was All-NBA this year. He's an all-star, a great wing player. Um, his dribbling is a concern, and his defense has kind of regressed after the last couple years being one of the best defenders in the league. Still a really good player. I, I doubt they, they're not just going to let him walk. I doubt they move him. But I really have to think about giving him that insane supermax level contract from the Celtics. That is a legitimate question. I mean, you have one. He's a part of this. They ESPN has these crazy stats about 
<laughs> all sorts of things, right? They apparently, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown apparently are on track to do some like Scotty Pippen and MJ type shit, you know? According to the stats that ESPN be pulling out their butts. But I just, I want to see Jalen Brown go. I want to see Jalen Brown. I can answer this question with my pure bias here of just saying I want to see him go and just see what he can, what he can do for another team in a star starring role. You know, maybe maybe your answer, Colby, to your previous question with the Raptors is maybe his ceiling can be like a Bradley Beal type, which is yes, underwhelming, but maybe their answer could be getting a guy like Jalen Brown to help him out. You know. It, I mean, you know, they may, that that's just you know me just looking at this paper, of course, and Raptors right there. What could Scott? What could help Scotty, in my opinion? But um, yeah, the Jalen Brown, man. I, 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 my personal answer: I want to see him walk. I want to see him go. I kind of agree with that. I would like to see him on a different spot because him and Tatum, even though like they're both talented and they've been together so long, it's not a perfect fit. So they're both kind of really they're both naturally threes. They're both kind of wings. So. It would I would kind of like to see Boston with a more traditional point guard and and Brown. I think Atlanta to me could be really fun. We'll get to Atlanta in a bit. Like Brown and and Trey Young, what would that look like? And then maybe Dejounte goes back to Boston and some other pieces. Um, anyways, that's that. I agree with you that they would be interested in seeing it traded. All right, Milwaukee. We're into the Central now. Here we go. Teased it a little bit earlier. What to do with the trio? With the Middleton-Lopez holiday trio, obviously Giannis is the guy. But after this, and they were the best team. I thought they were – I picked them to win the title before the year. I thought they were the best team, and they fell apart against Miami. Giannis missed some games with injury, but still was out there the last two games, and Miami still beat them. So Lopez is a free agent, and with the new CBA, it's going to be tough for them to keep him. All these guys are in their 30s. They're all older than Giannis. Um I love Drew Holiday and I love Middleton too, but Middleton's had some injuries. He's old. They're all older. Um, do you run it back and, and continue to re up with these guys? Now, Holiday and Middleton are under contract, but you continue to run it back with this core around Giannis, or do you say, hmm, maybe we've hit our ceiling? We got the one ship. Now we need to reboot, retool, and get maybe some younger pieces. And I don't know what kind of value these guys have on the market. They would have some value, but I don't know if you're going to get enough back to you still have a championship caliber team around Giannis. So that's Milwaukee is fascinating because I, as much as I think they would like to keep Lopez just financially, it's going to be tough this summer with him being a free agent. Do you stick with the rest of this core and maybe just try to tweak the role pieces around it? Or do you say, Hey, obviously you're keeping Giannis. Let's try to completely just reshape this team around it. Uh, That's going to be a fascinating situation. I am going to lean the side of keeping the core just because I feel like Giannis believes that he could have won with this core still. Um, I just think you're going to have to tweak it. Definitely. Actually, I don't think I know you got to tweak it. You just just didn't have the right guys around you this time. Uh, Bringing in what's his name? Uh, he didn't even for the Suns. Oh, Jay Crowder. Yeah, that was a terrible. That was not a great round picks. He was unplayable. Yeah, and he didn't play all season. And then when he came in, he – yeah, it just didn't work, man. Um, I think you just need to retool. You made some bad – you know, you just made some off decisions, but that's why you got this coach. This is why, you know, Giannis chose this coach. You know, maybe he – Giannis trusts him. 
and he trusts this coach to make the decisions to tool around him. So I'm going to go with keep the core and toss some pieces. All right. I like that. Okay. This next one is fascinating to me. This is one of my favorite questions. The Cavs. Can Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell truly work together and truly win at a high level together? They're both awesome, all-star caliber players. Mitchell's obviously better to this point, but Garland's still super young. I really like them both a lot. They're both incredibly gifted offensively, but they're not good defenders, and it's never been a perfect fit. It's It's been one year. I doubt they're going to do anything drastic after a year, but it's just, like I said, as talented as they both are and as talented as the Cavs team is, you saw how they flamed out in the playoffs, which was a surprise. I did not see that coming. The Knicks giving them the work like that. And it did kind of maybe it was eye-opening. Now, given the Cavs core, Mitchell, he's in his prime. He is what he is at this point, but he's going to be around for a while. The other guys all still have a lot of room to grow. Mobley, Garland. Jared Allen is young, but he is what he is at this point. But Mobley and Garland still have room to improve. They're super young. I just don't know. It's just not a perfect fit because of the defense, man. And their styles are a little similar, even though Garland's more of a passer. But they both like the ball. And that's another one. Would you deal Garland for Brown? That would be interesting because the Cavs do need a wing defender who can kind of play on the wing. That would be fascinating. I heard that on one show. I can't remember who said it. Someone threw it out there, which would be interesting. So that's the burning question for the Cavs. Does this Garland-Mitchell thing really work? Can it really work at a high championship caliber level? Because that's what the Cavs got to be thinking with the talent they have in the down the road. Can I answer your question with a question? Yeah. Would Colin Sexton have been a better fit at this situation? Now no. that we've seen no, him. No, 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 Are you sure? Because Colin yeah. is all about the hustle and defense. No. He doesn't worry. He doesn't really – he doesn't stress too much on the offensive side. I mean, the the bull, what, what are your thoughts? I know you just said no, no, but come on. Give it a thought. Yeah, like, he is a defensive guy. That's what that was his role back there in the Cavs. Like he was all about the hustle and bustle, and he was big for him. He gave Colin him good minutes. No, I'm not a Colin Sexton guy. He's not even close to the same caliber of because he plays like Pat Bev, huh? No, he's just it's unrelated. He doesn't really play like Pat Bev. He he also pulls. You say he's a defensive guy, but Sexton be pulling. He no Sexton is not close to that level of player. He he was a throwing. He's he's fine, but no no. He's right. just that guy. So back to my original, I guess since that question was answered, I'll go back to this original <laughs> question. Uh, will it work? Yeah, I still believe in Darius Garland. I'm a big fan of him, actually. Personally, I'm a big fan of Darius Garland. Um, I feel like he's, Mitchell, yes, he's a very consistent scorer, but like there will be nights when he doesn't step up, and I think that's what Garland just needs to learn how to be that second man now, because when Sexton was there, Garland was number one, and now he's the number two. So that's why I was like, would it be better just to keep, have kept the number two around? Uh, obviously, you had obvious uh, an obvious answer to that. I may feel differently. But now that he is the number two on this offense, it's a, it's a different role that I think he needs to adapt, adapt to, and I believe he can do it. I like that. I think you're probably correct. You probably shouldn't panic yet. Um like I said, I, I like both the players a lot. I just think the fit is kind of weird because they're very similar. Um, But, yeah, that's a good point. All right, Pistons. Who's the five, Duran or James Wiseman? Listen, the James Wiseman move was a slam dunk for the Pistons. He he showed is a low-risk, high-reward. 
He obviously was not ready to be a part of a winning high-level team like the Warriors. He's needed to learn and develop, which he got to do in Detroit. And he showed some flashes the second half of the season after he got traded there. I like Jalen Duran a lot. And they also have Isaiah Stewart, who's a nice young kind of stretch five. He's a little too small to be the five, but he's a nice rotation piece. So my biggest question with the Pistons, and the, the beauty of being an awful rebuilding team is like, it's not like there's any pressure for this team to be good. So they can experiment. They can figure out what works, who's going to be the better fit with Cade and Ivy long-term. My guess is it's probably Duran. I like Duran a little bit more personally, but Wiseman did show me some stuff. So that, that's the burning question for Detroit, is who's going to be the long-term guy at the five. Oh, man. Wiseman just had so much hype that gives you the, you know, the pull to go back to him. But if the Warriors didn't want him, I don't know. I don't think I would want him. So I'm going with Durant. For me, it's an easy one. I'm going with Durant. Probably a good answer. No, I agree. I I, I like Durant more too, especially because the defense. It's good Durant, sorry. All right. Almost here. Two more teams in the central. Pacers, a team, as you know, I like a lot because of Halliburton, and I like Matherin too. Keep or trade Miles Turner and Buddy Heal. We know there were all sorts of rumors about this last year. They ended up keeping both of them. Miles Turner, I always have liked Miles Turner a lot. He has real value, and Heald is a shooter, which is always going to have some value because he plays off ball and hits threes. That's always going to be valuable. Turner had, like, the best year of his career this year. He's a nice fit with Halliburton. He's a good shot blocker, and he can hit the three. I've always really liked Miles Turner as a player. But at the same time, they don't exactly match the timeline of the Halliburton, Matherin, younger guys, uh, Nesmith, I believe, or Neymar, Nesmith, Nemes, um, the other young guard who's a nice piece. You could get – these guys have real value is the thing. Do you want to try to be competitive and fighting for a playoff spot this year and you just keep them? Or do you try to move these guys who, again, I do think would have real value? Uh, that's my burning question for the Pacers. And they're in a pretty good spot. This is not a bad problem to have. I'm surprised Miles Turner is still on the Pacers, personally. I'm surprised. I, I can see why you're a fan. Um, definitely can see. He's a he's a solid player. Like, I, he is a good player. I'm not going to take that away from him. Like, he is a good player. I don't have any hate towards Miles Turner. But I just, like he said at the beginning of this take, there was a lot of rumors and everything. And I was more of the side of he will be leaving when those rumors were coming out. So... For him to be sticking around still, for me, it was a surprise. But he is a great defensive player. I remember he used to be in the Defensive Player of the Year talks. But unfortunately, the Minnesota Timberwolves chose to go for the guy that won those awards. Um, <laughs> terrible mistake. Uh, hopefully the Pacers don't make that same decision. Because I think they should keep Miles and healed, in my opinion. If I had to let one go probably be healed just because he has a lot of value and i think i think miles is just a team guy you know like he's been there for so long i feel like you can't let i feel like at this point he might just become you know one of those guys that you try to write off in the sunset as long as you can until it's just like look man <laughs> if you're not going to take that bench roll spot you gotta you gotta walk you know that type of deal yeah. So, but for me, it would be uh buddy and i love buddy healed i was a big fan of of him when he was in oklahoma so yeah, it, it sucks that Buddy will be bouncing around teams, but he has a lot of value. Like you said, he's a great three-point shooter and defender. 
Yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing. Like, that's why it's a tough question. I agree with everything you said there. Um, they still have, they're both in their prime, kind of late 20s. So they still got a good bit of runway as being rotation guys. These are guys who would have real value as like role players on championship contending teams. Um, so it's interesting because you could get a bit for them. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's my evaluation of it. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. All right, last team in the Central. Again, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because I think we all know what the answer is, even though they may not do it. It's the Bulls. Do you aggressively try to acquire more talent and make some minor moves to try to win and compete in the kind of weird back half of the East, or do you just blow it up? I mean, you know what? I, I've been like a dead horse with the Bulls, being a dead horse with what I think they should do, but that's their burning question. There's a rumor today they're going to try to extend Vucevic, which makes no sense. With, but whatever. I mean, they. I don't know that they know what they're doing. Obi, I don't know what they were doing since they decided, since DeMar DeRozan decided to not let his daughter go to that play-in game. We probably wouldn't even be seeing the heat. In these That's when all this started. <laughs> this, this all, they could have, they could have, he could have stopped this. They could have been, that she could have been a superstar for all we know, but he... Put a lid on it, probably for the right, for the best reasons possible, because that's what a good father does. Um, back to the Bulls. Do you blow it up? Let's just say blow it up as in how big, Colby? Because obviously they got a bunch of veteran players that no one really want. I mean, they probably would want. They can go some places and do some things. But what guys, you know, like what guys do you keep at this point when you blow it up? Because like for me, it's like, how badly do you think they missed also on their draft picks of recent? And that's how bad, how much do you think you have to blow it up from there? Because that's why they got Billy Donovan, right? Isn't Billy Donovan good with this whole, you know, prospect and working with what you got type thing. But here we are. I mean, yeah, I, I would definitely keep Pat Williams. I, I still like him and I think he has a lot of room to improve. I keep Javante green. Um, what about Kobe White? Probably. I'm not married to Kobe White and Ao Desumi, but I'm they're young, so I'm not going to try to necessarily move them. Everyone else, I mean, I'm trying to move DeRozan. I'm trying to move Vooch. I'm trying to move Levine. I don't know how much you're going to get for those guys, but you could definitely get something for them. So I'm just trying to get rid of the old dudes. Because, like, what, what, what are they doing? Why, if they're going to run, why would they run this back? They didn't even make the playoffs. Like, what are they doing? Instead of blowing it up, you know what? They need to just grow a pair. That's what they need to do. They just need to like trust in this young core and see what they got. Like I'm right there with you, Colby. Like what? Are, why are you bringing back some of these questionable guys? I'm with you, Colby. Why? I'm sitting right here with Colby. Why? Now yeah. I'm a little upset. Now I'm a little upset. <laughs> it's just frustrating. It makes no sense. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. It really doesn't. I'm sorry, Gabe. If you ever watch, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, we're at the eight-minute warning. We got four four teams left because the Heat are obviously still playing. Hornets, again, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this because it was my final thought last time, and I've mentioned it before, but it's a very simple question. What do you do at number two? Do you go with Scoot, even though, who I think is probably the better prospect, even though he plays the same position as LaMelo Ball? Or do you take Brandon Miller, who's probably a better fit basketball-wise? Because um, it's a three-part. It's, it's going to be one of those two. There's a drop-off after that. Brandon Miller obviously has the off the court stuff too. It's a simple question for the Hornets. What do you do at two? 
I'd probably go scoot and figure it out, but I mean, there's no easy answer there. Oh, we're going Brandon Miller. I want Scoot to go to Portland. Again, heavy bias, but that's my answer. I want Charlotte to go fo- make a make a co- make a questionable pick. I'm not going to be out on Miller. He balled out. So, I'm not going to be like shutting him down. Uh, but I'm definitely going with Scoot. I mean, the dude played in the G League. He did all he did all the things of the new age for the NBA. I think it can pan out. And the dude's just huge. The dude's just, I want to see him play with the Portland Blazers. I think it just works better there. I think he would be a beast over there. Just in that, just in just the colors. That's what I want to see. (laughs) No, that's fair. I mean, Scoot and Shaden Sharp as your backcourt of the future would be promising. I do really like Oh, yeah. I didn't even, I forgot about that kid. Yeah. That would be exciting. Um, All right. Yeah, you and I agree. Kind of, it's interesting. Who's their young guy? They have another uh, elite young guy, though, that was on the up and come. Sharp, I mean, Anfrey Simons, he, he's pretty free. Yeah, it's he, Anfrey. He's a point guard as well. He's a shooter. I don't know what you do with him, but, I mean, I'm not letting him sway me from picking Scoot. because No. <laughs> he's going to have to adjust. He's going to have to adjust. That's simple as that. In my opinion, <laughs> that's simple as that. He's going to have to adjust. All right, Cole, what you got? Keep All right. Running. Two more teams, three more teams, six minutes. I don't think we're going to make the run. I'm going to say that right now. I don't think we're going to make it, Cole. Probably not. I'll get a final one set up. But, <laughs> okay, the Magic, my team, my second team, <laughs> Paolo, my guy. They have their franchise player. Their question, this was a pretty easy one for me. It's the backcourt cluster. What do you do with the trio of Fultz, Suggs, and Cole Anthony? They're all interesting players. Fultz at this point is the best, but he's also been in the league the longest, and he's the oldest. They when when Fultz came back from his injury, the second half of the year, they were a winning team. They had a winning record with post Markel Fultz coming back. He's clearly more of a true point guard. Jalen Suggs, two years in, he's still super young. I'm not giving up on him yet, but he's been underwhelming to this point for a guy that I really liked coming out of Gonzaga. Most people really liked as a prospect. He's a combo guard. I guess they technically play more at the two with Anthony and Fultz there, although even though I feel like initially he's kind of more of a point guard. Cole Anthony's been a really good player. He can score at a high level, but he's not really a true point guard in the sense that he facilitates a ton. It's weird. You have the front court pieces. Potentially Franz and Paolo in three years could be the best forward combo in the league. You know how I feel about Paolo, and Franz is a nice, if not a two, definitely a nice three. Going forward, I think Franz is a good, really good player too. But I don't know really what you do with these guards. Um, that's a big question for me for Orlando. So that's the burning question: is what does that point guard situation look like? Dude, this is tough. I'm going with. If I were to break it down, I, I respect your Jalen Suggs take, Cole. But for me, Cole Anthony has been the electric piece for this team this year. I've seen some crazy moments from him. Seen some amazing highlight footage, and you highlighted Markel Fultz. Um, I feel like he is a leader on this team at this point because of how young and how many players they always rotate through in Orlando. Oh. This guy's been there for a minute. This guy's been like this guy actually has been there for a minute. So um, yes, he has been off the court, you know, but still he is a piece and he's had his chance to bounce back. So I don't think we're moving off of Fultz personally. Uh, it's you can't move off of Suggs either, honestly. All three of these guys you're not moving off of. I feel like they're not going to do that. Cole, hate to break it to you. I don't think the Magic are, but if I were to move off of somebody, oh, 
Dude, that's tough because you have to choose between if, opinions, Suggs or Fultz. That's why this is one of the toughest questions out of all of them because I like I, I agree with you for the most part. Like I do like a lot of what all they – I like at least parts of all of them. But at the same time, they're all kind of point guards. So yeah. like, they don't really fit together super well. So I really don't know what you do there. That's kind of, That's a tough, tough question. Oh, man. I, I feel like I'm going to be an ass for this, but – <laughs> I gotta say Suggs. I'm going with Suggs. Jalen Suggs hit the door. I'm sorry. I mean, that's fair. He's been the worst of the three to this point. He's the youngest too, but I know that that's the thing. He's the youngest, and that's why it kills me. But yeah. All I'm right. gonna stick with Fultz. I, I just respect the whole Fultz situation and everything, and I really believe in the bounce back stories, man. I really no, uh, yeah, Fultz's been great for them when he's out there. All right. We got two more teams and then we'll wrap up on the other meeting. Um, all right, Wizards. I almost made this. I originally wanted to make this about Johnny Davis and Denny Ajev. They're two uh, kind of high picks from the last couple of years. But the more pressing question is uh, free agency. Kuzma and Chris Stapps, Porzingis, both free agents. Porzingis coming off low-key, one of the best years of his career. He was really good for them this year. Pay them or let them walk in free agency. I mean, I'm sure the Wizards will pay them and be content to stick right there. <laughs> Fighting for a playing spot, I would let them talk. Even though I, like Porzingis, I don't trust that he's going to ever be healthy. Even though he was this year, I like Kuz a lot. He's a good player, but I'm not paying him a crazy amount of money when I'm a team in this situation. So I would let him walk. I'm sure they won't, but that's the burning question this off season. Who stays? That's a, for me. It's a game of who stays. Uh, I would, I would think they bring back both of these guys. Um, I feel like they might bring them both back. I want I, if I want someone to stay though. I'm not trying to be again an ass, but Zingus Pingus. I'm sorry, poor Zingus. Um, I think you're gonna be the one that I'll see the walk on this one because Kuzma he at least brings attention to the Wizards. I mean, yes, Zingus he had a great season, but. People pay some people I at least pay attention to Kuzma to what he's wearing half the time. He'll wear some outlandish thing just so people talk about the Wizards. So No, I I agree with you on that. I mean I would if I'm keeping one of them, I would pick Kuz as well. I would let them both go though. I would not keep yeah, I'm, I'm here I'm here with you, yeah. Get these guys. That's why I'm laughing. That's why I was laughing, Cole. That's a great <laughs> question. Because it's like you know they're probably gonna keep them. Probably, yeah, they're gonna have Bradley. You know they're probably gonna keep them. They're gonna have Beal, Porzingis, and Kuzma making like two hundred million combined, almost or like oh, not two hundred million, but like what yeah. Beal makes what like Beal is a supermax, and Kuzma and Porzingis, it's gonna have an insane amount of money tied up if they bring those guys back. <laughs> All right, Jalen, and then the last team. <laughs> The Wizards, who are, you know, going to pay just an absurd amount of money for a mediocre team, probably. The Hawks, last team, the team we've been so confused about pretty much this whole season. Burning question for the Hawks for, that I have. I can find my – I lost my place in my notes. There we go. What do we do? What to do with DeJounte Murray? I'm keeping oh. young at this point. I know they just traded for DeJounte Murray, and it clearly has not worked because it didn't elevate their team at all. Him and Trey Young is a weird fit. Um, so where do you go with that? Like this team, this roster is so weird. I like that they have Quinn Snyder now as head coach. I'm sure Quinn Snyder is probably kicking himself for taking that job so early 
once he saw how good some of these other jobs became available were, but that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, what do you do with DeJounte Murray, man? It's a weird fit with Trey Young. I don't see where this team goes. They're in a bizarre situation. They're, I could have put a million things for the Hawks burning question, but that's the one I went with. Dude, um, I believe in Quinn Snyder. Glad you said his name. I believe in him. I think he could figure it out. So I say what to do is nothing. I love DeJounte. If anything, I have more questions about that man, Trey Young, and his uh, coach-killing ways. But I really do believe in Quinn, and that's the only reason why I'll give it one more, maybe all the way up to the trade deadline, you know, that type of deal, you know. Like, if we fall flat and DeJounte is still not bought, not living up to his uh, hype, I will definitely move him because Quinn Snyder should be able to figure that out. I believe in Quinn. That's fair. I do believe in Quinn Snyder, too, so I like that. All right. So that is the NBA burning questions for the East. We'll hit the West uh, next time. Um, next episode. Next episode. So, next. Got, this, is a, this is a bit of a long one, but we got one more segment, some NFL, if you're ready, if you want to hit oh. that. Oh, yeah, of course. We got some NFL action. Hell yeah. So we're in the, the dog days of the offseason, but the season's going to be starting <laughs> starting soon enough. Um. So, yeah. I have, we did several weeks ago at this point, like QB pressure cooker, QB pressure rankings. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this. So now I have my coach pressure rankings, the 10 coaches under the most pressure, in my opinion. The 10-man list will go from 10 to 1, and you can react as we go and give me names you think should be higher or lower, maybe names that I don't have on here that you think should be, and all that. Are you ready, sir? Oh, definitely. All right, I got to switch gears to NFL here. Number 10, coaches under the most pressure. Again, the 10th spot, you could debate this. I have Dennis Allen, number 10. Look, they oh. just gave Derek Carr a big contract. It's an easy division, even though they are have their weird cap situation that they just keep pushing the bill, kicking the can down the road. The Saints should be, I guess, the favorites in that weird division. I mean, it's there for the taking. You have Derek Carr. You have a pretty good roster still. Dennis Allen has been a disaster as a head coach so far with the Raiders. And, I mean, they won some games last year, but it was ugly, pretty terrible overall. Dennis Allen, number 10, under the most pressure for the Saints, in my opinion. All right. You keep going. Let's rattle off to uh, just go to eight. All right, eight. All right, we'll do the bottom. Number nine, a guy you've been right about all along, number nine, Josh McDaniels. You alienated Derek Carr. You ran him out of town, after, even though he was the one who got you Devontae Adams. I think it's last season was more on McDaniels than Derek Carr personally, but whatever. Yeah, number nine, Josh McDaniels. A lot of pressure. I don't think he's going to live up to it. I think they might – I don't know if they can fire him because of their financial situation, but they probably should. Um, so, yeah, I'll go with Derek Carr – or not Derek Carr, Josh McDaniels, number nine. Under the most Derek Carr was involved with that whole situation, though. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. No, you're certainly right about that. So, yeah, Derek Carr, number nine, or Dennis, Josh McDaniels, number nine, under the most pressure. Okay. All right, number eight. Moving on from Derek Carr. <laughs> Lord, uh, this has been a long one. I'm losing my thoughts. All right, 
from here on out, these guys have a legitimate pressure. Number eight, Matt LaFleur. Rodgers is out of town. It's Jordan Love time. What can you do with Jordan Love with this team? Now we're going to find out about Matt LaFleur, if he's a real deal or not. Um, no more Aaron Rodgers. You got Jordan Love. It's your show. You're not going to have any of the drama of Rodgers. You're also not going to have the Aaron Rodgers talent level of Aaron Rodgers. I think Jordan Love's probably going to be solid. I know you think he's going to be trash, but we've had that conversation. Real pressure on Matt LaFleur this year to show that he he's a legit coach. Well, all right, cool. But I see what you're doing here. I see what you're doing. You know what you're doing here? What's that? Putting up the three teams right off the bat that I just love to have as a punching bag. And you're just getting them out the way now, huh? <laughs> well, let me tell you something. I completely agree with Dennis Allen being on number 10. That surprised me. Um, if anything, I would put uh, – what's his name? The Bucks coach on there. The new guy. Oh, that they oh, that's a good one. I don't have him on here, but that is a good one. Like, I feel like those two share that same – that I feel like those two share that same pressure. Um, but you know how I feel about Josh McDaniels and his Raiders. And you know how I feel about Matt LaFleur and his Packers right now. And I most definitely think, even though Josh McDaniels can't be fired because they're probably the financial situation, like you said, it has to be at least like a seven or six, right? So I'm interested to see what you got there. And as for Matt LaFleur, this is the Green Bay Packers, that brand. And you know how I feel about this this dweeb. I'm going to put him at – he has to be in my top four, honestly. For me, I was like, I guess, that's a strong bias because I play this guy twice a season. <laughs> so uh, I, I say it's at number four for me. But for you, uh, looking out outside in, yeah, it's a it's a fun take to have. All three of these guys are fun stories. Like, what's the hell? What the hell happened with the Raiders? <laughs> what's going to happen with the Packers? And can the Saints do it? You know, like can the Saints actually do something? So all three fun storylines. Uh, not much hate. Not much hate. All right, solid. I'm doing good so far. All right. From here on out, it's pretty immense pressure. Number seven, Mike McCarthy. It's the Dallas Cowboys. The only reason he's not higher is because Jerry Jones doesn't really, at this point, seem to want to fire coaches. He seems pretty comfortable with Mike McCarthy. And McCarthy, to be fair, as much as I've banged on him and we've all banged on him, objectively, he's done a pretty good job, even though they haven't been able to break out of the second round. He's had two pretty good seasons, and then the year that Dak was injured. So, McCarthy, but the fact that they ran Kellen Moore out of town, now he's calling the plays, that does add a lot more pressure to it. I don't know how that's going to look. That's a little concerning to me. So, there's real pressure on Mike McCarthy. I didn't put him any higher because I don't think he's going to lose his job. And to be fair, there's at least one guy on his – one or two guys up above him that I don't think will lose their jobs either if they goes poorly. But there's different kinds of pressure. And there's a lot on Mike McCarthy this year. He's seven. Go off to four. All right, we'll go. We'll go into the top five here. Number six, Kevin Stefanski, your guy, one-time Vikings OC. Love him. Thought he was a good hire. I think he's a good coach. It was all sunshine and rainbows that first year. Won a playoff game with Baker. Broke the cursed drought in Cleveland. Yes, yeah, since then it hasn't gone so well. Uh, they had the Baker last year that everything fell apart when they had Super Bowl expectations. They then give up the farm for Deshaun Watson and his whole situation. And the first year with Deshaun, even though he only played six games, was a disaster. And 
this division is brutal. The AFC is brutal, but they're expecting to compete for Super Bowls with the players they have and the quarterback they have. And part of this might, you know, and to be fair, if Deshaun Watson just doesn't have it like he used to after taking two years off, that's not even Stefanski's fault. But you know what? He's going to get blamed for it, and he's going to be the one who suffers. He is as much as he, as great as he was that first year in Cleveland, he's coaching for his job this year, I think. Stefanski, number six, tons of pressure. I feel like people love Stefanski. Um, he just made some questionable decisions, man. And I feel like you have, at this point, I have to be sound on this Baker take of, yeah, it's probably uh it probably was a smart decision for him to move off of Baker. And but the bringing Deshaun was the controversial move. And he took that gamble and he has to pay the price for it. I think uh the reason why we I'm kind of big on the Browns is because he managed to keep this offseason really quiet, and that's really good for the Browns. Um, even though it's not hard for them either. I mean, let's consider their history. They probably were like, hey, guys, let's have an offseason like we had like five years ago. It's not that hard to do. Um, so I would personally – oh, I know I said wait till we get to five. Put them higher. I, I hate to say it, but both – I feel like these guys both need to be higher. It's a, This is tough, Cole. I'm interested. This These top five guys, they're going to have this – you said different pressure. These guys do have some real pressure on them. I do agree. Uh, when we talk about Mike McCarthy, since I might as well address that as well. Um, he's calling the offensive play shots now. I mean, he's call, He's doing the play calling now. Right, like, I mean, if it wasn't on – to be honest, and like – sorry, I mean to cut you off, but like if it wasn't for that, I probably – I don't know if I would even put him on here. But yeah. the he's calling the plays and that he kind of scapegoated Kellen Moore, who I think is a very good coordinator. I agree. I think that adds a lot of pressure. Yeah, I agree. As much as I hate to regret that, Kellen Moore was at least trying something with what they got. It's going to be interesting to see what he could do with that Cowboys offense. He kicked Zeke to the curb. Um, oh, that was smart. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it could be, it could be considered smart, but – I, I at the same time, hey, who knows? He might honestly get Zeke back for a discounted price now. So I'm gonna bump McCarthy up, but like you said at the beginning, these guys do have a bit of pressure. The guys of Bravo have different. So let's see it. Let's see this different pressure. All right, number five. Now this is job security pressure for the record. These other the other four above him have different kinds of pressure, kind of. Um, not necessarily, but in different ways, because it's expectations, right, is what determines the pressure. This yeah. guy, number five, I think it's pretty, It's to be honest, a little unfair that he has the pressure that he does, but it is what it is, Ron Rivera. Listen, he's done a good job. He's been a stabilizing force, I think, for the most part, for an organization that's been in utter chaos. But the biggest reason I put him so high on this list, uh, ask Monty Williams about a thing called new owner syndrome. I know it's a different sport, but they have a new owner. And I think unless Ron Rivera absolutely kicks it out of the park this year, which I think is going to be tough in that division with Sam Howe, even though you and I think like Howe more than most people, realistically, that's going to be a tough ask. They, I like a lot of their pieces. Eric Bieniemy's in-house running the offense now. Could they just give him the job? Like I said, the main reason he's so high, one, they have a talented team. They, he's got to get some real success. And when the new owner comes in, I mean, all the as you see all the time, new owners want to put their stamp on the organization and make big changes. 
So because of that, I think Ron Rivera is really going to have to knock it out of the park this year if he wants to keep his job. Yeah, it's going to be tough to knock it out of the park in that division. Um, like it is every year, honestly, no matter who's at quarterback. But this year in particular, um, it's tough. Yeah. Um, I mean, the the locker room saved him this time, just like how I feel like, what was it, Dan Quinn? Dan Quinn ended up buying himself a year with the locker room. I feel like Ron Rivera is doing the same thing right now. He's buying himself a year. Let's see how it goes. Uh, man, they're putting a lot of faith into Sam Howell and Eric Bieniemy to come out here and revamp this offense and take it to the next level, I feel like. Because I feel like this defense, we know the defense is sound. We know the defense is good. You know, it's considered, me and you, I know we've always, we've been stung by this defense plenty of times where they played yeah. awful and we had high expectations. But um, it's Ron Rivera's defense. You know, they will still show up when the time matters, I feel like. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and be like, I like number five. I like five for him right now. I do like that spot. All right, good. All right, top he's four. He's in a tough spot. He's, he is in a tough spot, man. It's sad to see. It is. He's a great guy. Great guy. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Like, I don't think he Not deserves working. to be under pressure with what that organization was before he got there. But like I said, uh, and he's another one would have been, probably still would have been on the list, but if it weren't for the owner thing, would have been much lower. Yeah. All right, top four. Now, these guys are here because of expectations. Some of those guys below them are there because of are they going to keep their jobs or not. Now, some of these guys, granted, could lose their job. One of them, I think, certainly won't. But they all have legitimate expectations. Number four, he's on here because he didn't meet his expectations last year. Sean McDermott, they already made changes to his coaching staff in Buffalo. The team underachieved when they were Super Bowl favorites and fell out in the second round. The division is tougher. There's a lot of chaos. The AFC is a gauntlet. And as I said before, I remember during the playoffs, I said one of the last men standing as far as he was like, what, the last defensive coach standing in the playoffs last year just because he's a defensive coach in an offensive league. That's some added pressure combined with the expectations that haven't been met yet. I think there's a ton of pressure on John McDermott this year. And if it goes south, he could lose his job. All right, number three. This one, maybe it's too high. It might be too high. But it's, again, because for the first time in as long as I can remember, in quite some time, there are massive, massive expectations and hype around the Detroit Lions. Dan Campbell, our guy. I love him. You love him. I think he's a great coach. I think he's going to succeed. I don't think they would fire him. I don't think he's in danger of losing his job because of the culture he's built. Even if it does go south, I doubt they fire him. But he's this high because the people are hyping him up the Lions. And people are hyping him up as like this guy, the next kind of one of the big time level coaches. The people believe in the Lions largely because of him and the offensive roster they built. They kind of had a weird draft. I know he's not calling the shots there and you liked it more than I did. We're not going to argue about that again. But I think there's a ton of pressure on Dan Campbell this year and the Lions as a whole, to have a lot of pressure, which that's good for them. I mean, when was the last time the Lions had pressure? (laughs) Big pressure, Colby. I refuse. I refuse to give them the hype. I'm telling you, they're not going to live up to it for the first couple of games. But I want to interject because I do love Dan Campbell. 
But to say that he's at number three, I think it's because of the hype. Man, I feel like I, I'd put him around where Mike McCarthy is, man. I, I, I feel like he's more of the Mike McCarthy range. That's probably fair. I may have him too. But it's the Lions. They have This is the first type of hype. Imagine if the Lions came out with a three-win season this season. Right. <laughs> I think that would be the end of Dan Campbell. Like yeah. after all that hype, I feel like that would be like, all right, look, man, we've seen enough of the emotional speeches. We've seen the tears. We believed in you this time, and you really, I mean, they scheduled a lot of primetime games. So got the opener, is- the lady opener, which I cannot I still can't believe that they gave the Lions that spot. Yes, that that's going to be a great opening day. Great job, Colby, reminding me of my opening day frustrations that I have to see the Lions play to start the season. But um, that'll be an opening day uh, rant for sure. Uh, besides that, man, I I like you said, I do like Dan Campbell, but I do understand him being at number three now that I talk myself into it. I see it, Colby. I see it now. I you know, and then you've kind of talked me off. He maybe should be below like Rivera Stefanski in that way. <laughs> Um, but That's I mean, funny. either way, all right. The yeah. top two. This was the easiest part of the whole list. I don't think it's at all deniable that these are the two guys under the most pressure. Now the order I go back and forth on, and to be honest, number two. I, the only reason he's not number one is because I feel like it's close, and I didn't want the number one quarterback and the number one coach under the most pressure to be the same same team. Brandon Staley. I mean, people were calling for his job after that blown lead. They made the playoffs. He's already on the had a lot of people calling him out for his questionable decision making. Um, he played his starters in a meaningless game, and it cost them a key receiver, Mike Williams. There's all. It's never been. It's really from the jump been choppy for Brandon Staley. It, it really has. Two. It's it's never been great. Two years in, even though he made the playoffs, they blew that lead. There's immense pressure. If they don't take a real step forward, he's out the door. So they got a new OC now, which I like. Insane amount of pressure on Brandon Staley. And number one, he just got Broadway Aaron, Robert Sala. And I like Robert Sala. I think he's a good coach. And I don't think it's necessarily fair because I thought he did a terrific job last year. But, hey, man, it's New York. It's the media hype. With Rodgers there being now, they're going to be the most hyped team, the most talked about team all offseason, all year. And if it goes poorly, you know how this guy – I mean, it's not like I said. It's kind of sort of like Ron Rivera in some ways. And like I said, Monty Williams too in the NBA. Like, it's not fair, but that's how it goes, man. You know when things go south, the coach gets blamed. There's a ton of pressure on Robert Sala. You could argue – I will go back and forth. Maybe Staley should be one, Sala too. But I think those are undoubtedly the top two under the most pressure. I would like to flip you a question real quick. All right, go ahead. How big of a season? Now, I know Brian Dayball, his job is safe. How big of a season does he have to have this season, though? Brian for Dayball. Him to not be on this list, and for him to not be on this list next season, because they did pay Daniel Jones. He had to sign off on that. So, um, I mean, it, for him to be on, the, if he even is like decent, if he even if they don't like take a step forward, if they're even in the same ballpark they're at, the thing is, I feel like Robert, like Brian Dayball is helped out by the people who don't like Daniel Jones. Like he got all the credit last year. He has very low pressure right now. If things go horribly wrong, then yeah, he'll be on this list next year. But right now, he's kind of the diaper dandy of the league. Everyone loves him. So I mean, he's come off coach of the year. 
So I think even if they take a minor step back, I still don't think it's a ton of pressure. I think people will probably blame Jones or other pieces rather than the day ball. He would have to have a very bad second year regression for him to be on this list next year. Yeah. That, okay. I see. I see you. All right. And before I get into Staley and Sala, because those are, I agree, two great coaches that should be at number one and two. Dayball does not have to be in. Dayball's not my one and two. This is just the coaches that I wanted to talk about, folks. No, I like, yeah, I want to hear some of the names. About real quick. Thought should be on the list. Uh, what's you earlier? Uh, Todd Bowles was a good one. I didn't think about him too much, but that was a good one earlier. Thank you. Um, Sean Payton, Denver Broncos. That is a storybook uh storyline sean payton's one of them for me and i'm gonna double up with the sean's go with mcveigh him just choosing to come back um i feel like both of them are safe when it comes to their job security which is why i feel like you didn't put them on this list yeah but um just what are your thoughts on their whole situation their pressure on that like they both are coming in with some interesting pressure that's true there is pressure to a certain degree but like you said because of the jobs card i mean sean payton just got the bag sean payton is the one Sean Payton's in the catbird seat um, right now. He's he's like the golden boy in Denver. If it goes horribly wrong, I do agree that there is a lot of pressure for him to turn things around. But my guess is because Russell Wilson was so bad last year, if it goes poorly again, I think Russell Wilson is going to catch more of the blame than Sean Payton. So because of that, I didn't put Payton on here. McVay is interesting. I also kind of feel like he, because of the Super Bowl, is a made man and everyone loves him so much. He's an offensive genius coming back. But that is interesting. I mean, if they have another awful year like this year, he will catch some flack. I I, I just don't know like what the expectations really are for the Rams this year because they're kind of in a weird spot. I don't really – and we'll talk more about them as we get closer to the season. I don't really know what to do with the Rams this year. I'm not really sure how I feel about them. I could see them being awful again, or I could also see them kind of having a bounce back year. Um, so that's why I didn't really put either of them on there. But that, that's a fair point. All right, last two. Ready? Yeah. Taking it home on this one. John Harbaugh. He was almost, you know, it's funny you say that. He was initially on the list, but then I took mm-hmm. him off. He really? was in that 9-10 spot. And then I remembered because I originally had Harbaugh ten, Dennis Allen nine, and then I made I remembered Mc I had forgotten about McDaniel's, so that's why he didn't make it on. But yeah, I thought about Harbaugh. There is real pre- there is pressure on him because now that the Lamar deal is all done, I, I think he's a great coach, and overall I think it would just be very. Full. The reason I didn't put him on here is because he's a guy that I do feel like it's similar to what people say in Pittsburgh, like what people the Steelers fans out there, which I many years ago was once one of them and I'm no longer to complain about Tomlin, which it's not like he's a perfect coach, but Harbaugh, I feel like is the same thing where if you fired him, he'd have another job in five minutes. It's like every people be lining up to try to hire John Harbaugh if the Ravens fired him. True, uh, true. <laughs> I didn't put him on there, but I did think that it was close. I was close to putting him on there. That's a good one as well. There is some real pressure. Last one. And his name always fails to keep like always escapes me. It's the coach of the Tennessee Titans. His name yeah. always escapes my mind. Mike Vrabel. <laughs> yeah, Mike Vrabel. There we go. Mike Vrabel. <laughs> what about your thoughts on him? Like, he's in a uh, tough pickle this year as well. Uh, see, I don't think there's real pressure there just because that team is not good. I don't think that's <laughs> on I think, I think he got the absolute – he's coming off – I think he, in the entire time he's been there, has squeezed the absolute most amount of juice out of, out of 
the players that he's had. Like, do you think he's going to get the benefit of the doubt? Yeah, I think he's earlier okay. in the benefit of the doubt. I mean, they fired the GM last year because I mean, Mike Mike Vrabel was unhappy. He was pissed that they traded AJ Brown. Like, now if it keeps going, now if he never turns it back around and they can't figure out the quarterback thing with Will Levis, I mean, they've already given up on Malik Willis, so that's something. But and no, nah, I don't think there's any expectations really for Tennessee. There's not really pressure. I think, I mean, I think he's like the most hot, like highly respected person in that whole organization, top to bottom players, coaches, management. So I don't think there's a lot of pressure. All right. So Cole, to wrap this up, your uh, top two picks, I just want to say you managed to put your top five, your top five were all defensive coaches. Is that true? I didn't even realize that. Yes. Well, Ron Rivera, Sean McDermott, Dan Campbell, Brandon Staley, and Robert Saul. I didn't even realize that. <laughs> Dan Campbell, defensive coach, technically, because wasn't he like a tight ends coach on the Saints? Dan Campbell, you can probably throw into tight ends, yes. I was going to say, he has that defensive style, so I guess that's true. Wow, you're right. I didn't even think about that, but that is true. <laughs> but all it, it's, they, it's a true situation. Um, I just think out of – the five that you listed, I agree. They all probably have more pressure than the five below them, probably besides Lafleur. But um, <laughs> I'm going to go with. I think Sala has to drop down, in my opinion. I think it's Staley. I think right now the most pressure on this whole league is Staley. I think he has the <laughs> most on his neck, especially how the season ended and what they did to bring in another coach to fix the problem. Or a coordinator, I guess you can say. So for me, it's Staley. Um, it'd be Staley at one, Dermot at two. Man, I mean, That's you guys have been knocking on the door there. for so long. They've been knocking on the door for so long. I, I have to go Dermot at two. Uh, Keep Campbell at three, Salah at four, and Braun at five. All right, I don't hate that. I, I think that's very fair. You you might be right that um. Staley probably should be number one, but I put Herbert number one at the quarterback, so I didn't want to just have the Chargers be number one in both, but they maybe are. I mean, the Chargers, they've had a lot of hype the last couple of years, and they haven't done a lot. So, like, there is an insane amount of pressure on both of them. Probably more so on Staley because the coach always gets the blame, but in his case, it's probably fair. It's probably fair because you got Herbo. But, Colby, <laughs> that was an amazing list. That was a great coach, pressure cooker. Um. We got four minutes on the clock, folks. Oh, so yeah. guess what time it is, Colby? It's I time know. for final thoughts. All right. I wish I had like a little heart plague. <laughs> when I say that. All right, Colby, take it away. All right, final thoughts. Oh, I'm going to stick with football. Um, I'm really excited to see what the C.J. Stroud Texans look like this year. You're hearing a lot of buzz about their camp. Yeah. C.J. Stroud, they say, looks awesome. Tank Dell the mid-round receiver they got from Houston. They're saying he looks like he's going to be one of the steals of the draft, which sometimes I don't buy into the camp buzz. But again, people said the same thing about George Pickens last year. And it's like, oh yeah, like sometimes you can just tell. So I do think Houston, they made themselves infinitely more interesting in the draft. I did like Stroud the most out of the quarterbacks, even though I didn't love any of the quarterbacks. Um, And the fact that they get to play Tennessee and the Colts a combined four times helps. So... I'm very just fascinated to see the Texans and D'Amico Ryans this year. This is the most interesting the Texans have been uh, since the Deshaun Watson stuff went off the rails several years ago. 
No, in this disrespect to our boy Davis Mills, we probably <laughs> wagoned up for last year. Gratefully so. Glad you threw his name out for some credit. I mean, it, yeah, it's been tough for the Texans, man. Let's just end it on that. That's a great final thought, Colby. Um, gee, you know what? Let me kick it to the NFL with you, Colby. You know what my final thought is? I'm really interested to see not only what bandwagon that we pick for the next quarterbacks that the next random quarterback for us to root for officially. Um, I know we're really close with Desmond Ritter. But I feel like there's going to be a couple of guys that we could throw in there to argue without making a fun argument, you know? Mm-hmm. So especially now that we're talking about these coaches and their situations, it really got me going, man. And uh, like always, dude, this was some good stuff. Very very good stuff. Thank you for listening to the CJJC Show. Whenever you want more biased takes, go on over to our social media pages, Spotify, or wherever you can probably find a podcast if we have it up. And if we do, thank you for following us on social media. And then besides that, have a good one, y'all.